Greetings, great world. Thank you for tuning in and joining me on the trail to Summit to Soul Mountain. My name is Ryan Witherspoon. I'm stoked for this episode and know that the depth of the soul will be tapped. I am joined by Chase Tolson. Chase is the host of his own podcast, The Primal Man Podcast. He's a men's coach serving up wisdom for men to love the reflection they see in the mirror, beginning internally and in turn shaping the external. Chase is also the co-host on the Getting Lifted podcast. Chase, my brother, thank you for joining me on the trail today. What is present for you in your realm of awareness and what are you grateful for? Mm, what a great question to start a show with. I am extremely grateful for my realm of awareness. I was having a conversation with my friend who was helping me drywall my basement yesterday. And we were talking about that awareness and how through different lenses, you know, we look at others who are walking, like walking somebody else's path. And we think, man, how can you do that? And at the same time, they look at us and think, how can you do that? Hmm. Um, so my gratitude is for my awareness. Love that. Yeah, that's that's two sides of the coin right there. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Um, so with some of the Soul Mountain, I love to imagine that life is a mountain. We're all climbing it, searching for our soul potential, searching for the summit. And uh, there's not one way up the mountain. There's many. And um, there's ups and downs, valleys and false summits. Mm. And uh, I'm curious what your journey has been like and, and what led you to where you're at today. I'm so glad you brought up false summits uh, because that's, that's such a big one. And my dad had a weight bench in his bedroom when I was four years old. Fitness was just a thing we did. You know, it's, he would go for a bike ride or he would go for a run. I would go for a bike ride. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I started lifting weights when I was, I was a skinny kid, right? Uh, my birthday was in late June, June 27th. So I was the younger one on sports teams, the younger one in school, the smaller one, the skinny one. So I wanted to lift weights and get bigger. And that happened. Uh, I junior year of high school, I was big enough and I decisively won a fight. And I had also become a temporary uh, black belt in karate and had done some boxing. So like I, I'd run that, the warrior, damn it, right? Almost like take out the almost. I was the immature, the hero. It was the hero side of the warrior showing up. I, I had to get in there and prove my point and be right, the mm -hmm. immature warrior. And that culminated uh, – yeah, you know, there, there's a side of this story that uh, was, I was 17 years old. My dad caught me smoking. It was 4th of July. He had had some whiskey. Uh, my smoking dad was cigarettes, cigarettes or cannabis, uh, cigarettes. And uh, actually, and I, I doubt my dad will hear this one. And uh, yeah, cigarettes. And what happened was he thought I was smoking cannabis. So either way, he would have been displeased. He kicked everybody out, put me up against the wall by my neck. It's the first time my dad had ever laid hands on me. Um, he had been drinking a bit. He's caught off guard. And I took a swing at him. I pulled, pulled off. It didn't land. I tried separating from the situation after a little bit of him yelling at me. He told me, you're staying right here. Uh, and it culminated in me hospitalizing my father. 32 stitches to his face, broken nose, four staples to the back of his head. There was one time after that, that I hit someone in a fight and I had been drinking and somebody's little brother was being uh, intimidated and threatened by a much bigger, older individual. So I hit him and he collapsed. Um, all of that background to say that I ran that hothead team, right? And I ended up mm -hmm. for four years after high school, I stuck around. I 
smoked a whole bunch of weed. I didn't interact with cannabis. I smoked a whole bunch of weed. There's a marked difference there. Mm -hmm. And then right when all my buddies were graduating college, I went off to the Navy. Now for a year prior to the Navy, I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. It's like, I'm going to run, swim, do all this, stop smoking, stop selling Coke. Like I did, you know, cleaned up my act. And then I got told five days before I went to contract in that they changed the rules and my misdemeanor possession charge was no longer waverable for a SEAL contract. Hmm. At this point, I've been talking with the military for over 18 months. I said, get me out of town as fast as possible. I spent four years turning wrenches, working in the engine room. I became quickly disenfranchised with a broken leadership structure and a flawed advancement system. Got out of the military, opened my own gym, and I went back to that fitness thing, right? And I started to realize there was more. The blog posts I started writing, like I started off with fitness equipment and fitness things, and then it, it quickly turned to mindset. And the lens quickly shifted to this is what's underneath the fitness. It was only when, you know, we're fast forward in a few years through the gym, five, six years in, we had Mark England on a podcast. Back it up a few years from that. 2017, I listened to the Barbell Shrugged episode that he talks about. And Procabulary sent me down a rabbit hole. And then we had Mark on the podcast and he goes, at the end of it, he was yet to start pumping and lifted. I said, hey, what's this in lifted thing you're doing? He's like, oh, actually, we should talk. And I ended up in uh, group one, group nine, level one. And it's been, that, that brings us just about to here. Uh, where we're at. That was the catalyst for this current cycle, if we will. And now we are, uh, the soul is lit up by, you know, Joel Cochran asked me a wonderful question. The first time I was on his podcast, what hell do you solve? So the hell, the hell that I saw was when you look at a man, I have some female clients, eyes, or I have some female clients and the hell that I solve is when you look in a man's eyes and you ask him, do you know who you are? Like, do you know who you were put here to be? And he glasses over because he's never actually even asked himself that question. And he gets a little teary-eyed. He goes, no. Hmm. So that's the, that's the condensed 34 years. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. There's, you know, always darkness that leads, leads to light. And, yeah. and struggle that you know creates forges the sword so thank you for sharing that of course brother thank you for asking um which leads me into the first topic that i want to talk about um something that i've pondered for a long time and a lot of my friends think i'm a little strange for it because it's not conversation that's usually had often but it's around manhood around brotherhood and uh, I've always asked myself, what does a man mean? So I'm curious, you know, what does a man, what is a man to you? Well, it's not Andrew Tate. And there's also a reason that they're silencing Andrew Tate um, and not silencing uh, voices that demasculate men. That a man we're still figuring it out. And 20 years from now, there's going to be a better answer for this. The answers we have now are forged out of the lessons of our grandfathers, our great grandfathers, our fathers. And to give credit where credit is due, there were very great men of past that you can, you can look back there and like they did great things and there's better ways to fully mm -hmm. embody the masculine now. That being said, I have King Warrior Magician Lover sitting here because I'm writing some meditations for each archetype. And I go to those four masculine archetypes. There's so much more nuance to a man. Uh, and essentially, knowing who you are, like, authentically knowing who you are, and recognizing that you are in control of that, mm -hmm. I imagine to be the first step 
from my lens because from there, well, some sort of physical expression is going to help embody that. It might, it'll be different for a lot of people, some sort of physical expression and the ability to protect yourself. And that doesn't negation knowledge only mean physical combat means to protect your space, to protect yourself from having outside influences dictate your mood or your being Mm -hmm. Uh, to be truly within yourself. Then you can start to express the other more nuanced things in ways that light your soul up. Mm -hmm. Love that. Yeah. And it's so often that the physical aspects of what people think to be a man is, is, you know, the goal or what, you know, what being a man really is, how, what do I look like? What do other people see me as when in reality, it's, it's how you hold yourself inside when situations come up and, and how you react and respond to those situations that really can, I think can show, you know, those, those aspects of being a man. Yeah. I, uh, there's a Facebook group I'm in that I said, you know, a men's group. And I saw a dad post in there about his 17 year old son and this like Eagle scout star athlete, this and that, but he was in his phone too much instead of doing some college application or military recruiter thing. And his dad took his phone and threw it in the lake. Hmm. And it's just this, is that going to forge a self-aware man reactionary patterns like that? So when we can, take that honest look at ourselves talking about, like you said, creating space between our reaction and our response. Cool. Oh, oh, that just came up in me. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. That's me. That's not them. That's me. Now let's ask them about what's up with them. I think a a lot of men are still doing the boyish thing of wanting to tell and force as opposed to doing the, the man, embodying the man and receiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the boy wants to control and the man wants to lead. Yeah, 100%. The, the high chair tyrant versus the king. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes along with, yeah, the, the response and reaction is it's all emotional work and knowing how to, to feel your emotions and to be able to express, express them consciously. Um, and one thing you shared with me before, when I asked you some pre-podcast questions was you said that any emotion, or I, I forget exactly what you said, but any, any emotion felt is, any emotion felt all the way through is bliss. Yeah. And I love that. And I, I believe that's Joseph Campbell. Um, and for a personal example on that one, my brother passed last November. Uh, for anybody that's heard me on enough podcasts, you've heard me tell the story. And it was completely unexpected. 27 years old, just poof, gone. Um, grief still happens. Like for anybody that's lost someone, they, they know, like my wife has a wonderful analogy for it that she shared with us the day he passed. Um, it's like a button inside a box and there's a ball rolling around. Whenever the ball hits the button, that's grief. When they first pass the button's big. As time goes on, the button shrinks, but when that ball hits it, it's still the same grief. Uh, and with grief particularly, cause it's one that a feeling people will run from, right? Mm-hmm. That's one anger can be reframed. Oftentimes, uh, fear can be reframed. Uh, there's often something below that grief. People just run from, mm-hmm. dude. Uh, uh-uh. I, there was a night last week. I cried myself to sleep. I sent a, an email out a couple of weeks ago to my email list talking about getting stuck in my brother's celebration of life photos, consciously going in there. I didn't get stuck. I chose to, mm-hmm. uh, I started scrolling 
And next thing I know, I was just bawling and it felt amazing. I mean, to get uh, a little bit metaphorical with it, like crying can be, and uh, I think it was Angela Cisco coined this one. It's an emotional ejaculation. Mm. Yeah. And people run from certain emotions or they, they stray from processing their anger into what's below it. And that stuff just stews in there, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some practices that other than, you know, feeling them and expressing them, what are some practices that, that you have to express and feel your emotions? Breathe. <laughs> um, breathe, 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 and breathe some more. Uh, some 5-MeO-DMT helps. And <laughs> um, breathing, man, it, it's, you'll feel your emotions. And if I recall correctly, I shared this one on the level one call. You can become, you can set the tone of a room even during mm-hmm. rough times. Somebody's crying and they've had a tough day or, you know, somebody's dying in the critical care unit and all their family's standing there. The day my d- brother died, I, I went in, everybody who, who would just start, people just start sobbing, like, cause they start holding their breath. They start, their mind starts racing. Their words are understandably. So if you don't have knowledge around it, your words are going to go to shit in a situation like that. And they start sobbing. So what I, what would I do? I walk over who's ever sobbing, give them a hug. And I just start breathing just big, low and slow breaths, slowly stop sobbing, start crying, slowly stop crying. And then all of a sudden, unbeknownst to them, they take a big, deep breath. Mm -hmm. Uh, So breathe. And then be honest with yourself. My dad told me from a young age and uh, the projection side of it aside, if you let somebody get to you, they've already won. Mm-hmm. Now we can, yes, there's a whole projection competitive aspect to that you know, still winning and losing. And that's all within you. So as far as practice about that, breathe and ask yourself, like after a shit situ- situation, if somebody made you angry or somebody did something to you, turn it around, ask, ask where it's coming from in you. You might not like what you get at first. And I promise you that right now, so many people are out there walking over like a barefoot on gravel their whole entire life when they could walk 10 yards over hot coals and then get to walk on plush grass or sand or whatever they want for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just making it, making it harder on yourself to, yeah. to do that. I think there's there's that level of vulnerability that society deems as for a man is kind of not acceptable and and when you can lean into that and and be vulnerable and share your emotions whether it's anger or fear or sadness or joy a lot of times you you know men can feel strange or held back from feeling joyous because It's a great point, you know, and, and then whenever you can on the other side of vulnerability, maybe there's some judgment from people and those aren't really the, the people that matter anyways. And when you're vulnerable, there's a hell of a lot more intimate connection and, um, yeah, it's just so powerful to, to be able to lean into those, those emotions. Absolutely. Well said. I, Vulnerability, I mean, cultivates connection, right? And how are you going to be vulnerable with anyone if you're not first vulnerable with yourself? Mm-hmm. Is that in the affirmative? It's, it's easier and I'll say easier. It's much, much easier to be vulnerable with other people and likely only truly possible to be vulnerable with other people if you've first been vulnerable with yourself. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, knowing what, knowing what your truth is in those moments. Yeah. Because if you're, if you have, uh, an evil inner twin or a a Billy in your head, gaslighting you and honestly, like making you believe that it's other people's fault. 
aka a victim mentality, it's going to be really hard to be authentic with other people. Mm -hmm. For sure. And you're only, you know, leading yourself further down the line. Like those things are going to come up when you're, when you're living as Billy and you're not living as, as who you are as Chase or as Ryan, it's those, it's going to come up harder in the face eventually. Yeah. Uh, I wholly believe that. And I, I go back to this as a, an example, because one, it's a decent example of using the work and two, it happened less than a year ago. I wholly believe that moving through my brother's death as smoothly as I have is because I had all, I had done the work on the big hairy stuff in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it's easier to shove that stuff down throughout life when it's these little momentary occurrences. Imagine if I had lost my brother out of the blue and I hadn't dealt with all that other stuff, hadn't actually taken a look inside and see what makes me tick. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. Uh-uh. You would have found Chase passed out with an empty fifth of Jack in his hand and all kinds of bad stories. Um, so what I'm curious about, about your relationship with plant medicines and, and psychedelics. Let's go. Um, what was, what was your first experience with, with psychedelic? If I recall correctly, I have a tough, tough time recalling if it was mushrooms or LSD in high school. Uh, I do know the first time I took LSD, two of my buddies stopped by and they're like, Hey man, we have an extra tab. You want it? Yeah, sure. And I'm like, okay, bye. We're leaving. And then my mom gets home and she had rented sling blade and the day after tomorrow. And I was sitting in the family room, watching sling blade with her and the TV started melting and like, I'm going upstairs and I grabbed the other movie she had on the counter. I didn't know what it was. Took it up, plugged it in the day after tomorrow with Dennis Quaid, my first time on LSD, I watched a, mo- a movie about the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Um, it was largely recreational use through high school and then uh, a break through the Navy and everything. And then uh, a deep dive in with much more conscious use. Mm-hmm. in recent years what sparked the the conscious use of it i'd imagine it was anchored in one of those recreational experiences because i accidentally had a very profound experience recreationally mm-hmm. um 2 30 in the morning my buddy and i are walking down the street and i slap a leaf on a tree and a car alarm goes off and like a mile mm-hmm. away in this outdoor mall like as soon as I hit this leaf, boom, car alarm. And then we go, we both freak out. Like it's, it's like, it's only a look and not to touch. And then this weird warm gust of wind blows up. And then we're like, okay, dude, this is weird. And then I let loose. I'm like, this is cool. Cause we're walking past different stuff, but we put it here. It's all the same. Cause we put it here. And as soon as I finish that from me to the wall, that's eight feet away from me a rabbit runs across the sidewalk in front of us. So like the, the night was something was tapped in. Mm-hmm. I say I was tapped in and we turned around on our walk and went back to my parents' house. And we're sitting outside and we're talking, we're staring at the stars and going back and forth. Life's just a big circle, this and that, blah, blah, blah. A lot of stuff that likely had you listened to it the next day. It's like, what were you talking about? And then something hit me. Like I, we went quiet for a second. I'm staring at the stars and it was like, poof, into my head. I had it. Like I had the reason we were here, what it's supposed to be, what we came here to learn. And I sat up, I go, dude, I go tell my buddy and my phone vibrates. I reach in my pocket and I silence it and it was gone. So after the Navy and after a couple of years running my gym, Psilocybin just, oh man, how did that happen? It just came back into my awareness. 
somebody had a line on it and offered me somebody that knew that I had been interested in the past. I'd already started here and there with cannabis. Uh, I had a couple of psilocybin experiences that cracked some things wide open uh, or more open. And it's been, we'll leave it at that for now. There's more here though with DMT and uh, I'll pause. Um, are you currently expanding on more, like more on one specific psychedelic than others for a specific reason? So I'll be a hundred percent candid. It has been since last November, uh, before my, before my brother passed that I have had any large experiences, any, any mm -hmm. macro doses. Um, one, the time, like I don't. I let macro doses come to me. The first time I did five MEO, it just showed up in my awareness. You know, and the next two times too. Uh, same thing, you know, that first time I did LSD. So I've been, I microdose psilocybin and I actually microdose the non psychedelic vine of ayahuasca. So be happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I love that blend. Uh, on days that I do, you, you do them, you microdose them together the same. Yeah. yeah. So ayahuasca is an everyday thing. And then the psilocybin is every fourth day. And it, on the days where it's a psilocybin dosing day, I have, I express severe ADD tendencies, right? And on days where I have both of those, I am so dialed in. It is amazing. So. I love, love, love what microdosing can do for people. I psilocybin and the research around it and mm -hmm. what it does for neuroplasticity. Uh, it, it's a game changer. And when you start looking at that, and then there was a study that was shared uh, on a page I follow yesterday that talked about psilocybin macro doses for alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And while the, the placebo group had uh, only 10% less reduction in alcoholism out of the gate than the, uh, the control or the, the psilocybin group mm -hmm. after six months, the group that had the psilocybin still held their results. So there's massive medicinal qualities. And there's also my favorite ride ever has been five MEO. I, you open to me going into the three yeah, experiences. I was, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask, yeah. please share. Awesome. awesome. So first experience and for awareness, I have yet to do like Bufo. This is a uh, synthetic pen, pen five MEO. Uh, and and the five MEO is, is the one that is derived from the, the Samaritan or uh, the Sonoran desert toad. Sonoran yep. Desert toad. Yep. Yep. So Bufo is what comes off the toad. Uh, so I have yet to do the stuff that actually comes off the toad. This stuff, this is a pen uh, that's made in a university lab. So like real, real lab grade synthetic stuff and it's still synthetic. That being said, five pens is administrator has and it walks you up like the first one the second one you don't even feel it third one feels like when a mushroom trip is starting to come on fourth like oh we're we're in something now and then the fifth it hit me the first time and i'm on my back on the floor there's a someone playing a singing bowl there there's a couple of bowls and i just let out i i inhaled held my breath let it out and then verbal somatic release whole body moving just absolutely otherworldly it felt like light was being channeled right through me she brings that bowl over places on my heart starts playing that bowl on my heart it was otherworldly fast forward six seven months i get the chance to same experience except now instead of five pens he has a sixth because the fifth wasn't actually as powerful as like full strength five MEO 
The sixth, though, the sixth is, or close to anyway. <sighs> Dude, I was laying on the ground. We did, and I committed to the sixth before we went in, which is a good thing because once I got to the fifth, I was like, the only reason I'm going to the sixth is because I committed to it and I knew before mm -hmm. this I wanted to. And it was, I was laying on my back and I'm reaching up into the sky, just screaming like, ah, and then I just full surrender arms fall limp. And I like people say five MEO is less visual. This became very visual for me. I didn't see, I didn't touch it. I didn't feel it. I became, I melted into a rainbow river of source consciousness. Hmm. I literally like reconnected to source. It was the wildest, most amazing, most blissful thing. So that's, that's experience too. I came out of there. And how, how long are these experiences lasting? Oh, typically? great question. Yeah. Um, while you're in the depth of it, less than a couple minutes, less than a few minutes, like mm. up at the peak and then laying there still in it, but back from outer space. I've been told that I come back quick mm -hmm. um, and I had a past lives reading that said some, I was apparently, if this le reading was correct, I was a levitating astral traveling monk in a past life. So mm -hmm. my soul has some, some uh, experience navigating realms. Yeah. And that was two. Number three, it was less of a formal setup. So we didn't go like one, then two, then three. It was like, hey, hit four, hit five, hit six, hold those all in. See you later. Hmm. And I was tapped into the power grid of the universe. I felt the most immense, unstoppable, just ever flowing force possible. I was, as I'm coming down, like I was doing my, like yelling my hands up thing again. And as I'm coming down, I'm like scooping it back in. Right. I'm like reaching out and scooping it back into my body. Like I need this. I need to keep mm -hmm. it, give it to me. And then as I ground back in my body, just overcome with this feeling of bliss and gratitude. I start crying because I realized that that fucking power grid that I was tapped into that force was love. Mm. Wow. So how, how, how have you been integrating all this into your life? I think that's, you know, the most important part of any psychedelic experiences, the integration afterwards. So the second, the first one knocked some things loose and more so got the wheels turning. It was more introspective. Second time was, it felt like I came out of that room. People asked me what happened. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm on a new timeline. Like it feels like I'm parallel universe now, just completely mm -hmm. different. Um, like it, the second one broke something free in my mind that said the possibilities are endless and gave me a lens to look at life mm -hmm. that way. A third time it's all love. Like it, it is all love and whether it by whether it's intentional or not. And argument can be made that mainstream media it's intentional there are forces at play to distract from that and when you can going back to being completely within yourself and having that inner standing going beyond understanding it having that inner standing integrating that that even if you disagree with someone like for example i have a It'll, it is few and far between that you'll see me drink. That being said, do I still love people who are out here drinking a lot? 
Yeah, sure. You know, like if you, if we communicate in different ways, can I still love you? Yeah. So it's, that's how I'm integrating those experiences. It's amazing. It's, it's so interesting because especially like to hear you kind of explain the, that sensation and the feeling of love and, and tying that in with like people who haven't had these experiences and you don't need these, these, you know, medicines to get to this point and stuff. They're just, you know, super quick tools to, to get you there. They're the slingshot, but like, it's almost like there's just a completely misguided knowing of what love is until you feel those things. And once you feel that, that level of love and awareness to it, it just shifts everything, like all your perspectives. And it's, it's really powerful to hear you say, you know, people that you don't, don't agree with, you know, lifestyles that you might not agree with and stuff. It's like, okay, you can separate that awareness that, all right, I don't necessarily agree with this, but love is a hell of a lot more powerful than, than my disagreements. Exactly. Well said. It's, it's massive. Mm -hmm. I, um, oh, and, and NDMT. That's a fun one. Mm -hmm. That one I've had less profound learning experiences from that though. The mushroom to me is like a philosopher uh, and five MEO is like a, rocket fuel like you were talking about like mm -hmm. you could you can meditate for 20 years or you could hit five meo once <laughs> if you spend some time meditating beforehand it'll make it even better mm -hmm. uh, but that's uh, i think the the one of the challenges with with dmt and smoking it and stuff is it's just so quick it's so rapid it's so hard to take back with you what you just experienced because you're just like pounded in the face you're like what the fuck just happened you know yeah uh, before I say this, my meditations are nowhere near the, the level of DMT. And I worked with an intuitive mentor for 14 weeks and we're working on channeling and traveling and stuff like that. And I love being in circles where I can just talk, say that nonchalantly. Right. <laughs> and uh, I, one of the main things I worked on with her was even when I'm meditating or when I'm dreaming, things come like a fire hose like if i'm out there so not to the level of 5meo and when i get the fire hose of 5meo i'm like oh okay this again <laughs> so yeah mm -hmm. and that's that's what's nice about dabbling and playing with with each of these medicines is you can take the rocket ship to these places and if you've worked a little bit and have you know a strong foundation to set your set yourself up for those experiences it's great and then you can sit back with psilocybin or lsd or you know if if you have the space to to sit with ayahuasca like you can elongate that journey and really go into it because i'm i'm i've i've smoked NDMT a couple times and it's often that I'll have an intention going into it but that intention is just completely lost along the way as soon as I as soon as I enter that realm the intention is kind of just gone and um and that's that's why I like the other plant medicines so much more is because you can you can take your intention, you can sit with it and you can, you can dive so much. I can't say deeper, but you can, you know, navigate in a different way. You can pick the specific rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can see the, I enjoy both for their own mechanisms. Right. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, if I some psilocybin and meditate on a certain subject, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. I'm going to crack some stuff wide open that I've been thinking on. And 
NNDMT or in a longer format, ayahuasca to me, I, I've yet to experience ayahuasca you know, long drawn out NNDMT and NN or 5-MeO to me is a bit like um, story work, if we will, because when we're asking questions, what does that remind you of? What does that remind you of? Psilocybin will let us stay on the surface if we so want. Mm-hmm. Don't have to go into what it reminds us of. 5-MeO, NN. It's taking you straight to the thing under the thing, under the thing, under the thing, under the thing mm-hmm. that you're thinking about. Interesting. Depends what you're craving. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they each have their own purpose and, you know, time and place for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so much to, to learn about about these medicines and even these are like potent strong powerful plant medicines but even you know at the beginning of this you referred to when you were younger and you're smoking weed and you're smoking a lot of weed you and you said i'm not i wasn't interacting with cannabis you know and now with that understanding of of interacting with cannabis or even you set yourself up with a bag earlier and oh. you have all these other plants that maybe aren't psychoactive, but these are all medicines, you know, and that's been one thing that specifically psilocybin and some mushroom journeys have opened me up to is the entire connection of the earth and how it all, it, it's all medicine in their own way and stuff. So I'm curious about what you think of that and, and how you interact with, with other medicines that, that aren't as, as potent the next medicine that comes to mind besides like, you know, these herbal blends that you could also make teas out of that I have on my desk is the earth. Like the value of going and getting barefoot in the earth and taking Mm -hmm. your shirt off and getting some sun while you're doing it. Like I am on a mission and my buddy made a point to me yesterday. I didn't go and get a baseline established before I did this. And I'm on a mission to prove that like you can, reclaim your testosterone levels naturally in 2022. Like, you know, all the, all the coaches out there, including myself at times or all the men's health and fitness coaches anyway, or, you know, your, your great grandfather's testosterone was twice mm-hmm. what yours is, you know, and it's true. And how much more fake food, how much less sun, how much less movement, how much less time in the earth, go back mm-hmm. to the basics, get in the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's nothing like going for a walk in the woods, connecting back, like just, yeah, it's, it's just simple. And that's something that you don't need to have like a, you know, a predetermined thought process about something. If you go out in nature, you're going to feel it. Everyone, you know, feels that some people don't like going out in the woods because they don't like getting dirty or something but it's like just undeniable that you can't feel good or feel more at home in your body and in your mind when you're just out there in the wilderness. Go get dirty. Like the, the science behind grounding and what it does Mm. for healing. Like it's, it's amazing. And with modern science explaining how cells talk to each other, like, and the intelligence that plants have, you think you're, even if you don't actually hear it or actually see it, you think you're not getting something going out and mm-hmm. hanging out and connected with nature. Well, even the, the, the house plants that are sitting behind you, you know, oh, there's, yeah. they have, you know, there's a, a relationship there and there's even science to prove that now that when, when a human walks into a room, like those, those frequencies that can be, can be uh monitored can show that the plant is having a reaction to you walking into the room and and my plants are thriving so right <laughs> yeah and that that's just snake, you know, that snake plant back there was at the bottom good. of that canvas not too long ago like yeah that's that's a beautiful reflection to to have right there take it or the, uh, talk about energy and plants i have two cannabis plants that I'm growing 
I started those seeds uh, in my mouth with a 20 minute meditation. Interesting. So the first, the first moisture they had was my saliva. And the first energy they had with moisture was me meditating. So, yeah, I love how Ryan Sprague brings that into, he, he yeah. blew my mind when he started talking about like, cause it, it makes so much sense. Like when I think about, you know, mushrooms and ayahuasca and, and all these plant medicines, like I, I know that the, the process in which it's brewed or which it's grown goes into what the experience is, the love that you're going to feel through these plants and, and hearing about that just with, with cannabis and the way that it's grown and stuff and those energies that get put into it and, and then transfer into you when you're interacting with them. It's like, Oh, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. Why, why you feel certain ways when you do certain things, knowing who grew it or, yeah. Yeah. Who grew it or how it was grown or mm -hmm. you know, just Ryan's got, Ryan is a wizard, uh, with the level of knowledge he has around cannabis and, mm -hmm. and the, the art behind it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shout out Ryan Sprague. True sure. gangster. For sure. There was a, you want to talk, talk in energies and to step away from plants for a second to make a point here it's been proven that sound can leave an imprint in drywall behind the paint interesting and to get in a bit of a quantum physics discussion you know quantum particles can communicate through space and time right so sound can leave an imprint on walls behind paint you ever walk into somebody's house uh, old married couple that's not very happy with each other and just feels off like they're not mm -hmm. even there it's just wrong mm-hmm I wonder why, how many passive aggressive, bitter statements have been flung back and forth inside that house. So are they maybe creating their reality with their words? Ipso facto, weird idea. And hard right from talking about plants. And while we were talking about energy, I wanted to get that in there. Abracadabra. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that, man. So I have one last question that I like to ask all my guests and um, pertains to Soul Mountain. Soul is what I like to use to term God and connection and, and all of this. Um, so I'm curious what soul means to you. That's a great question. What comes to mind for me is, you know, I've heard Paul check talk about the most, but you know, we're not a body with a soul. We're a soul with a body. You know, our God is a sphere whose circumference is everywhere and center is nowhere. And I think for a long time, maybe for a fair amount of people still, uh, soul, I think is this completely and depending on your lens, you may think soul is like this very, very individual thing. Mm -hmm. And to me, what my soul is, is it connects me back to what is bigger. Uh, it, it's uh, made of an energy of where I came and it will be deposited back there one day. And it's up to me to cultivate that and care for it and ensure that it stays clean, if we will. Love that. Thank you. Is there uh, any other words of wisdom, creation of words that you would like to to leave with our with my viewers and in the world at large? In a world where everybody's selling a fix, it is so much easier to take control of anything in your life, be it health, mindset relationships, personal development, then they seem to make it. The basics work. Mm -hmm. Go for a barefoot walk outside, get some sun, sit down and breathe for 10 minutes a day. Don't watch the news. Love that. Chase, 
thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, how can people find you and dive into your work? Appreciate that. Appreciate you asking. Um, Instagram at coach underscore chase underscore Tolleson, uh, getting the TikTok game going, getting hip with the kids, primal.man.pathway, uh, chase and Spotify search up mystical giants. It is, uh, my philosophy album, if we will, my philosophy mixtape, it's got a music backtrack and it's, uh, we're happy with the way it came out. Uh, other than that, I have the primal man pathway 12 week program. So any guys like what they hear around uh, up leveling yourself from the inside out let's get it right on thank you so much brother thank you ryan it's a blast <laughs>